Welcome to Rates and Barrels, episode number 119. It is Friday, July 31st. Derek Van Riper here with Eno Saris and Britt Giroli. On this episode, we will discuss the latest twists and turns of the 2020 MLB season ahead of the second week of action. Yes, this is only week two of this season. It feels like it's lasted a lifetime. We have some new rules, some added on the fly this week, others that were implemented on opening day that we've seen play out for a few days, such as the extra innings changes, which are kind of fun, actually. It's good to have a little bit of fun in our lives since everything else is looking pretty terrible. Good morning to both of you. Uh, Let's start with Britt. When you saw the news today that the Cardinals-Brewers home opener was postponed as a couple of Cardinals players attested positive, you had a chance to wake up first. You had a chance to maybe have a cup of coffee, to possibly go to the gym or go for a run or do something to just feel good about your day and settle in a little bit. So I imagine you were able to take that news a little bit more in stride than, say, Eno, who on the West Coast woke up and was just obliterated by tweets and subsequent follow-ups of just how bad the situation already is. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm super ambitious enough that I got really anything accomplished, but I did have (laughs) breakfast, I did have coffee, I was scrolling through Twitter when I saw it and knew that it wasn't just like lack of caffeine, like the caffeine had already kicked in uh, when I first saw that report. And my first thought, guys, was, okay, this is now just no longer an East problem. We're now dealing with a team that had no contact with the Marlins or the Phillies or or any of these teams. We're now in a whole other division, which uh, obviously is not great news, right? I mean, it's upsetting. It's disappointing. It's frustrating. Um, I did speak to a few people in Milwaukee who were glad that at least this happened now and that the Cardinals did not go to the stadium. They did not expose themselves to the Brewers at all. Um, But I'm also still wondering, I'm still thinking about Rob Manfred's comments about how this isn't a nightmare yet. We're now talking about six teams that aren't playing today. I guess I just would like to know, what is the nightmare? Because (laughs) to me, this feels like it. We're close. Are we not close here? How scary are Rob Manfred's nightmares if this doesn't qualify? (laughs) One-fifth of baseball is not playing tonight because of the coronavirus. It's crazy. I don't know. I'm hoping that, um, you know, I don't want to be just a stupid optimist, but I'm hoping that, like, the Marlins situation, we've already seen that it's, like, created, like, different, um, uh, you know, protocols in terms of, I guess, they're changing the masks that they have to wear and uh, more teams are staggering workouts. But, you know, to me, to some extent, I'm like, what? Why weren't we doing this already? Clubhouse, yeah, you should have a mask on. Like, you should definitely stagger workouts. You don't want to have your lose your whole starting rotation because they're all hanging out together, uh, swapping spit or whatever. I don't know. I mean, they're all touching, touching each other's balls, you know, face balls. Thank you for the clarification. I don't cover games in person, so I didn't know how much it really changed the last time I was at the ballpark. We're going to get on this podcast now because of this. <laughs> this is so ridiculous, though, because it seems like every team had a slightly different set of procedures they were following, and I would have thought some of that would have been mandated. Like, in any clubhouse around the league, anybody entering should have been wearing a mask. That should have been obvious from the start. Hopefully, that's what's in place now. Team flights, though, too. If players aren't wearing masks on a plane, think about the way air is circulated on a plane. And think about how close together you're sitting on a plane. You know, like there's so many things that can go wrong in those scenarios. If they couldn't get that right from the start, it only adds to that creeping pessimism in my mind. We're not going to just 
wax poetic about how terrible everything is for the next half hour. That's not fun. No one's going to want to listen to the entire podcast if we do that. Hang with us. Yeah, hang with us. Like We're going to try and have some fun with this. But, I mean, Britt, you had a Zoom call earlier this week with, with Davey Martinez. He's obviously very high risk. And it, I think what we're starting to see is the reality is beginning to set in for managers and team personnel and players who previously got there, maybe started to get comfortable with the new normal, and have realized that their new normal is much more dangerous than they really ever had thought. Yeah, so I have a couple thoughts on this. Like, one, why are masks not being mandatory in dugouts, right? I think everywhere but the field, they should be, they should just be mandatory, right? You should just put it on unless you're out there playing and pitching and hitting, and then it can be up to you. We've already seen a lot of guys wear it in the field. Um, but I think what you're seeing, what a lot of people are worried about, is what they were worried about coming in. And Nats pitcher Sean Doolittle took a lot of crap on Twitter for this, for being the guy to say, like, cool, we agreed, but what about safety? And everyone was like, uh, shut up, Sean, uh, or at least a large faction of people were. Well, this is all coming true now. Uh, we don't have a stop date. We don't have protocols in place for what happened to the Nationals and Juan Soto, which is a false positive. He's not back till Saturday. He has not made his season debut yet. So on the flip side of all these players actually getting COVID, we've got a guy who never had COVID who has been forced to miss the first you know, 10 days of the season. Um, so I think the issue, and, you know, I had a, a player text me this morning and uh, about the logistical issues, and I think this is worth mentioning, is you can have all these players that are abiding by protocol, right? And the Marlins got absolutely skewered. MLB is trying to not pay them because of everything going on, whether they may or may not have broken protocol. The main issue a lot of players are, are feeling is they go to these hotels and not everybody is versed in MLB protocol, right? They go to hotels in different cities. They're being put in the middle of Chicago, which has, what, 100,000 cases um, in, a, in a, you know, a 30, 50-story hotel with how many other guests? Well, you have to get in the elevator. You can't even take yeah. the stairs. Yeah, stairs know? are not an option in a hotel that size. Yeah, yeah, I just think a lot of it is, and a lot of it is the protocols, and if MLB made these sweeping promises that they can enact these. And I, I just wonder if they bit off way more than they can chew, because how can you make sure that the person at the hotel in Milwaukee is following the same thing that the person in Minnesota is, right? That all these hotel workers, all these security guards, that everybody is following this, because just speaking from someone who goes to the stadium, uh, there's been a lot of issues just, just enforcing the media rules. Yeah, every person you interact with is a new variable, and when you're adding travel every three, four, five days, the variables are off the charts, right? This is this is the problem, and I think we're also bumping into an ethical concern that probably first surfaced for a lot of us back in March when the pandemic shut down spring training. At that time, widespread testing for the general public for the COVID-19 virus was still very limited. There are massive delays in a lot of places with processing, and here we are with Major League Baseball testing players repeatedly, processing tests quickly, whereas the general population is waiting longer. So now we're kind of wrestling with that, and that's more on the back burner right now. It's just something we'd previously thought about that is actually happening. It's not getting a lot of attention right now. Uh, you know, you went to the ballpark for the first time, perhaps the only time, uh, a couple days ago, and on the Tuesday show, you expressed some reservations about it. And what was that experience like? And how different, really, was it compared to what you expected and, and what really stood out to you the most as you went through that process? Oh, it was lonely as hell. I mean, it, it, it's so weird to to go to a place that there are thousands of people normally um, and e even like a place where you're supposed to see 
you're supposed to see your colleagues, uh, some of them you might call friends, um, you know, PR guys. Like you, there's like this whole <laughs> list of people you might see. And I saw the PR guy and Vince Catronio, and I only saw Vince. Because I got lost and I went to the actual press box when I was supposed to, not supposed to be there. And Vince is like, yo, go away. <laughs> <laughs> I have a mask on, but I was like, I don't think I'm in the right place. <laughs> and, uh, and then I, you know, I end up sitting in like kind of one of the luxury kind of boxes that they have down on the, on the first, con- on the first, uh, tier there. And I would, I would have to say that the, I, I don't normally like to report on, like, energy. Like, how does a clubhouse feel? I don't know. There's, like, 40 of them. I talked to a couple of them. I'm not supposed to tell you how they all feel. Uh, but I, I did uh, feel... I thought the energy was super weird. Uh, because they what they did, it, it, at least in the Coliseum, is turn up the music really loud. <laughs> so it's even beyond just, like... Or, or maybe there's just not fan noise to, like, counteract that. But, like... It was like being in an empty club. That's what it was like. It was like being in an empty club. And there's like two people dancing, and they are super into it. And everybody else is like, what the hell is going on? It's like when you (laughs) you walk past the place in Vegas in the morning, if you happen to get up at a reasonable hour. (laughs) And the people who just refuse to leave are still hanging out at a bar, and the music is still really loud from the night before. And you're like, wow. like You guys are still... I need to catch a plane. (laughs) I am very tired and going to the airport. I'm glad your day from yesterday is still carrying into (laughs) today. Uh, So, Britt, is that kind of what you experienced at Nationals Park, too? Is just it felt loud and echoey? Even on TV for the opener, I noticed when they were playing the the video, the Morgan Freeman narration, the sound coming through the TV. It took Morgan Freeman's voice, which is maybe like the greatest voice in the history of humanity, (laughs) and it made it sound very dark and creepy. It it did this weird distortion thing just having nobody in the stadium because the stadiums aren't meant acoustically to have nobody in them when they're playing sounds and playing music and having voiceovers like that. So did it have that same kind of hollow feel that Eno was describing when you were at Nats Park? Yeah, the weirder part was the Nats actually hosted the Jays for their home openers. So Wednesday and Thursday's games were absolutely bizarre. You had the Blue Jays montage on the Jumbotron. You had the PA announcer who was very, like, monotone announcing the Nats. And then all, all four, like, you know, oh, shit, flag, flag, <laughs> like, what's going on? Oh, the Canadian no. flag is in center field. In the seventh <clears throat> inning, they started playing, okay, Blue Jays. And I was like, I love this song, just being in the ALE forever. <laughs> all the NL guys were like, what on earth is going on here, right? And the weirdest part, guys, <laughs> is, you know, you're starting to, you're like, there's no crowd noise. The Nats are the road team. They play extra innings that night, and you're like, holy shit, they could get walked off on in their own stadium. Like, is that not funny <laughs> baseball? Like, oh. fortunately, they won the game, because otherwise it was just like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. Wasn't there the guy, the Dodgers guy, uh, Edwin Rios, hit uh, uh, the first leadoff two-run homer in the history of, of baseball? <laughs> yeah, this is this is like a season that's just ripe for Jason Stark articles. Like this is oh this weirdness is perfect for him. Yeah, if if the Nats had been walked off at home, that would probably be the first time that's ever happened. We've had a few unusual situations where teams have been temporary temporarily displaced but usually those teams aren't playing in their home park as the road team like i can't really recall ever seeing that happen before so 
It's been a bizarro year, of course, and I'm glad you brought up the extra innings rule. You know, starting a runner on second base and extra innings, we've seen it play out a few times. I saw a Brewers Pirates game with that, Dodgers Astros. Um, you know, you mentioned the game you saw, Britt. Do you like that as a wrinkle this season? I mean, from a writer's perspective, I know the longer a game goes, the more frustrating that is because that's just time spent in the press box. And people who don't cover the game are like, how could you guys want to leave? It's like, well, we do this every day and it's just not, (laughs) it's not quite fun. It's just like extra unpaid work. So as someone who is okay with the game, maybe being sped up in the extra innings, how did you feel about that modification kind of seeing it play out? I'm okay if it speeds the game up though. Didn't the Houston game the other night go like 13 innings and take forever? Um, I don't know if it speeds the game up. I think it does add some intrigue, right? Rather than like continuing like the other night, continuing to swap zeros maybe with the Nats and the Blue Jays. It finally like created a little like strategy. Uh, And, you know, Nats manager, Davey Martinez, I asked him afterward, he said it kind of felt like NL baseball for once. Like it was back almost, Hmm. Um, you know, obviously we don't have the DH anymore. And there's a lot of strategy and a lot of differences. Um, but he, he kind of liked it. I kind of liked it. At first I hated it watching it. I'm like, well, at least it's something fun and different when you've already watched like three and a half hours of baseball and you're just hoping somebody scores. Um, it kind of gives you a little bit of energy. Um, I don't know, you know, how, how do you feel about this? Well, you know, there's nothing more deflating for a press box, I think, than someone tying it in the ninth, you know, at least, at least the road team, at least, you know, so it's like, you just see everybody slump over in the press box, <laughs> everyone's changing their game story, and they're just like, ah, and some of those uh, newspaper uh, people have to, like, file by a certain time, so they'll have to, like, file some weird game story that doesn't really have an ending to it, <laughs> you know, because it's like, well, it's 11, you know, gotta get it in, I'm just like, that is so weird. <laughs> but I will say this. Uh, it's not just the writers. I don't, I don't think that people appreciate how bad extra inning baseball is, especially when it gets to like the 18th inning. Because what happens is, and I don't know if people know this, but swing rates go through the roof. Like uh, the average swing rate in baseball is like 40%. In the 16th inning, it's like 55%. The, everyone is just like taking these huge swings and trying to end the game. And of <laughs> course, that means that the pitcher knows this and can manipulate that. And that's why you get these zeros. You just like run scoring just goes into the basement. And that's why it, it sucks. So I actually, you know, I was expecting like maybe everyone's going to bunt the guy over and then try to get a sacrifice fly. And that would be really boring. But I think everyone knows now that you put a guy on first, the other team's on second, the other team's going to get that too, and they're probably going to score a run. So almost everyone's playing for multiple runs because they they figure if I score one run, the other team's going to score one run, I'm just going to keep doing this. So we need to turn this guy on second into two runs uh, in order to win. And I think that's actually kind of played out. Most most teams are swinging away. I have I've I've seen like three extra inning games. I don't think I've seen a bunt yet. So yeah, yeah, I think you're right, and also like. What's what makes sense logistically for 2020, and we don't know if this is going to be something. All these rule changes are going to stick or not stick, but uh, they're trying to get them off the field, right? They're trying to limit injuries and limit how long they're on the field together, which is the reason why they're going to shorten up those double headers to seven innings this year. So it makes a lot of sense logistically, like just hurry up and find a winner, um, which I think is ultimately what they're trying to do, right? Like no one's going to come out and say three innings. Yeah, let's hurry up and find a winner. Um, you know, outside of rock, paper, scissors, you know, they're just trying to like speed it up a little bit yeah. you know, so that somebody gets a win because I think everyone can agree that, you know, if they end up not making up these games, that like the win- a season decided by winning percentage 
is going to really irritate the players. I think they're trying to find as many conclusions as possible. Is it fair? Is it right? Mm. Well, is anything fair and right in 2020? You know? Yeah, but we, you know, we can't even get through a week without a new outbreak. So it's, I just, I got, I just got a text from it from an AGM saying it's over. Hmm. So wow. I don't know. There's I a mean, lot of like, pessimism today. Yeah, you're like, here he first. Did, he didn't get word <laughs> that it's over. He just is feeling no, he, like he's it's just, over. Yes, he's 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 feeling pessimistic this morning. Um, maybe if they play tomorrow, maybe maybe things change. But um, you know what? Like the Phillies, do we do we have any word on positive tests from the Phillies yet? Just the one, right? I saw a tweet go by right before we started recording that said no new test as of today. So hmm. a little sliver of good news right i would i would expect just from like being an amateur epidemiologist that like on the field <laughs> i like how you've given yourself that semi-pro semi-pro um i would feel like on the field transmission might be lower you know there are the two spots but like when the catcher and the hitter are not like speaking to each other not, they're not like looking at each other it's like a little bit more like this. I don't know. That's, I think, at the plate is probably the, the time where I'm the most nervous. But it's the dugout. I mean, <laughs> put the masks on in the dugout, please. Yeah, it's the dugout. It's the planes. Like, I think if yes, you're Brewers guys, it. even if they say, hey, we, we tested everyone, they're good. Do you Would you feel okay as a Milwaukee Brewer playing tomorrow? I would not yeah, feel good about it, and I would wear a mask. Like, I would play with yeah. a mask on. I would figure it out. Yeah. Like, if I hadn't been wearing one on the field, I'd be wearing one on the field because we know it, it can be a few days before more players begin to test positive. We've seen that with the Phillies. with the five, five to seven, you know. That's why, that's why the Phillies are still sitting. And I think that the hard thing about this is that the KBO had a plan. I think the KBO had a plan. If there was an outbreak, they were going to shut down for two weeks. And MLB doesn't really have that, right? There's not anything written down that confirms, like, at this point, we will do this. It's sort of build the airplane while it's in the air, like Britt said last week. Make up these rules on the fly. I mean, literally, this is how fantasy baseball is happening, where we're changing rules in season. We're like, actually, we're going to do daily moves because guys keep disappearing because games keep getting canceled. So I, I, and we've never done this before. We've never played through a pandemic before. So I, I get that they're not going to have all the answers figured out. But I think what frustrates me the most is that things were handled differently in Korea as a country. We don't have to get into that. But the KBO had a good plan. And how the MLB didn't take that and say, hey, this worked pretty well. Why don't we put this in place? Why don't we use this as our foundation? That's the frustrating part. It seems like they're making up things that they didn't have to make up, and that's going to cost them in the long run. And it's it's just a really unnecessary source of frustration and, and disappointment. So I think we should move on to uh, some of the new rules. Britt, you reported earlier this week, double headers. Seven inning games. I think we're going to see a lot of double headers if things keep moving forward to try to make yeah. up ground and avoid the the winning percentage scenario that you guys outlined. How many double headers do you think we're going to play this season, Britt? Like per team? Like if you had to project a, a rough average? I mean, I think each you're probably looking at maybe like a half dozen right in a sixty game season as it stands right now. Maybe even more. I mean, the Phillies are going to take an eight day pause. Mm-hmm. Even if you eliminate one or two off days, you're looking at six double headers, and that's assuming, which I think is a big leap, that there's no other issues, right, with any other team. So the Nationals are off, guys, until Tuesday right now, mm. which, like, how many teams, and I haven't really gone through, like, are, are impacted by all this, right? There's so many different Oh, yeah. Um, it goes beyond the positive test team. So, um, yeah, the union sent a text message to players on Wednesday and asked them what they thought. Obviously, they were all for that. Um, extending the 30-man roster is another thing they're talking about doing with MLB, which makes sense. 
um, given the fact that like you look at the Marlins, all of a sudden half their team is gone, right? You need to be able to have some reinforcements if something happens. If the Cardinals do say we're going to play minus these two two guys, you know, they need those ex- they need those extra spots. Um, so I think it makes a lot of sense for these seven inning doubleheaders and for the thirty man rosters. Just from a again, like we talked about with the extra innings rule, like a hurry up, let's get a decision, let's get in, get out, and get on with the season. It seems very obvious MLB is doing everything possible just to get to the postseason. Um, <laughs> they could they would start it tomorrow. Um, so I think that they were kind of on the fence about the doubleheaders. Um, and then as soon as you heard the Phillies news yesterday, all of a sudden MLB was making progress. All of a sudden now it's going to get announced and it's going to get enacted starting August 1st. So um to me, it also shows that when MLB wants to make something happen, they can do it quickly. So where are the protocols? Can we just like, it's a living document. Can we just change them around now and say, this is enough to shut the season down and this is not? Um, why has that still not really been a thing? Those conversations have to be happening. Yeah, hopefully. Worst job in baseball right now is scheduler, though. My God. <laughs> traveling secretary. Just like, yeah, traveling secretary and, and whoever's in charge of the schedule. Because you're, you're like... I was like, oh, well, you know, Yankees, Phillies, they're close to each other. They can make those games up. And that, that, so they, they tried to have the Yankees play Baltimore to, like, create some flexibility later. But uh, just, like, it's, like, becomes this thing. Well, well, if they play them here instead of this, then, then they have to move this over there. And then they have to change this. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. That's my nightmare. <laughs> I'm glad I don't have that job. Yeah, I think there's a failure of national leadership on this one. Uh, I, I don't know if it's born of the fact that there's like this contentious relationship between the union and um, MLB leadership because, you know, that was relevant when it came to the money side. But, you know, when it came to the health side, I don't think the union was actually pushing back so much as being like, you know, that we'd like them to be able to take showers at the, at the, at the, you know, advocating for the players but like not it didn't seem as contentious they always said oh we'll figure out the health part we'll figure out the health part so i don't know there should have been uh there should have been more uh stringent protocols there should have been more benchmarks we should have had these benchmarks we should have known what what you know the only benchmark we had was that three equals an outbreak so basically by their preseason protocols this st louis cardinals thing is not an outbreak you know, so, you know, by preseason protocols, like this is this would be to be expected, not a big deal, just two guys. But we learned like with the Marlins, well, four turned into 18 mm-hmm. uh, pretty dang quickly. Uh, so uh, I don't know. Two does two equals stop. And then it's, it's like funny. It's like, well, two equals cancel tonight, but they'll play tomorrow. It'll be fine tomorrow. Well, the gestation <laughs> period is like five to seven days. So like they'll play tomorrow and then they'll all be sick a week from now. It'll be great. It'll be fine. I, you know, did you read that uh, McCullough's piece? Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Just the, just it's fine. Like ah, oh, that was, mwah. it was a chef's kiss. That was uh, well done by Andy McCullough. That that's what we're living right now. We're living the it's fine uh, meme uh, in real life. This yeah, the whole, like the whole people year. People playing baseball with the world of flame around them. <laughs> exactly. And for those who didn't read it, it's hilarious. The whole thing is satire. And then you look at the comments and you get depressed because people are like, yes, Andy, absolutely. You know, <laughs> Finally. Like, Finally. Yes, a writer, writer who loves baseball. <laughs> like baseball. And you're like, it's like, it's like detailing everything that happened on the Blue Jays who, like, God bless them, have gone through already a ton oh and everything going God. on. It's like, oh, here's all the angry players. And it's like, oh, fans get treated to what players are thinking you know and it's just like, <laughs> just uh, yeah with the with the 
cursing carriage yeah. piece was good too <laughs> you know? that's definitely true you could hear the cursing very loud and clear uh from yeah from where you're I mean, what kind of week is this when joe kelly throwing at the head of another astro has become like the 10th most important story <laughs> by friday guys i mean what world is this that was on the outline three days ago it, it didn't really make the cut as, as more than a, a comment in passing i gotta ask the hard-hitting questions Britt, do you actually like baseball <laughs> no, why do people think that that's like a thing like of course i want baseball to happen um yeah. i'm probably in the same boat as everyone else right like baseball is super fun our jobs are super fun nothing about this year is fun um oh as you know said at the park it's not fun you can't talk to anybody you can't go anywhere you're sitting there with your mask on uh you know wondering if somebody has it around you uh nothing about this year is fun so i do enjoy watching the actual games go on on tv uh but that's about it everything else about this like you know poor you know waking up this morning and like probably being like holy hell the world is over right like Jeez. i don't miss that at all um i miss the days when all we did was complain about the astros and when like a, a justin verlander and clayton kershaw being done for maybe the season was big news literally no one has talked about that at all because it's so far down the totem pole like we were saying with joe kelly that's what i miss i miss you know, the biggest issue was fans complaining about Davey Martinez's ninth inning decisions. Um, you know, we've been going at this for 25 minutes. And have we talked about like a game outcome yet as it relates to something mm. important? I mean, just think about I, it. Who's playing well? I, I, I do think we should talk about the Joe Kelly thing. So I, I think you shouldn't throw at people's heads, right? I, I can agree to uh, that. I think, yeah. You should not throw people, projectiles at people's heads. Bad things can 90, happen, especially when you throw 95 miles an hour with yeah. inconsistent command, as Joe Kelly Very possesses. window pane Joe Kelly. And I should clarify, um, I don't want to fight Joe Kelly. I think Joe Kelly would probably destroy me in a fight. I'm not trying well, to call him out. I'm not sure about that, just because he can throw 98. No, uh, that, but, that guy, you could see it in his eyes. He, he, you don't want to fight Joe <laughs> Kelly. It's a bad idea. But, this is my point, though. I don't think it's fair to say that this is a 21 or 22 game suspension because 2.7 times. It's not fair because the way that suspensions work is you have to think about how many games you're actually pulling them out of, right? So you gave him an eight game suspension. It's like giving, like, when you give a position player a five game suspension, you have to give, a, a, like, a, a starting pitcher almost like a 25 game suspension to, like, to like make it the same, right? You know, like, so when you give a reliever an eight game suspension, it's like three appearances, you know? So you're really taking three appearances in a way. And yes, those appearances are weighted two point, like are, each of those games is 2.7 times more, more important. But like in terms of precedent and stuff, you're not going to, if you just suspend Joe Kelly three days and say, oh, well, it's actually nine, you know, <laughs> like uh, you're only taking him out of one game. And the way the precedent works is like the next time somebody be like, well, Joe Kelly only got three. Why am I getting eight? You know, so I I, I understand that two point seven times. I understand math, you know, but I don't actually think that this Joe Kelly suspension is that aggressive. No, <laughs> I no. think it's it fits it fits in precedent. It's an eight game suspension. It's two or three appearances. Well, based on usage, it's more like a two point seven game suspension. He pitches like every second or third game. So exactly, it's kind of. <laughs> nice that it fits into that framework okay, i got a hilarious message this morning that was like who's it was like joe kelly's getting suspended eight games well the season's only lasting seven you're right <laughs> will it carry over to 2021 <laughs> yeah right does it carry over oh my god 
They have to carry oh, it over. You have to laugh to keep from crying, dude. Oh, Jesus God. Christ. I know. I know. That's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> Does it carry over? I was already starting to think about next season, probably again, oh Fantasy God. Keeper Leagues, uh, seeing how this one's not looking so great. But if you don't have a vaccine by next year, which is at least a possibility, right? Things are encouraging, but vaccine development takes some time. How do you change things for 2021? Do you plan on a bubble? It's so hard to project anything that far into the future. And if you don't try a bubble, do you start projecting a schedule in which you play the same team for like a week straight and then you move on and quarantine for a couple of days and then start your next series or at least five game series would make sense. You'd see each team starting pitcher once before moving on, reduce the amount of travel in the schedule. That might not be a bad idea anyway, when you think about it in the grand scheme of things. You could stretch out the divisional matchups a little bit better anyway. I've been talking to players about uh, reducing the number of regular season games anyway. You know, the the only problem is that they get sort of paid by regular season game. And so you have to think about pay structure and stuff. But like, I think most players, you know, in Japan, they kind of, everyone gets Sunday off. I think it's Sunday or Monday. You know, they get one day a week off. And um, they play a shorter schedule, like 154, 145, like th- that would allow you more space. Um, and if you if, if we're still like in the in the grips of this virus next year, why not say like 133? And, you know, you play five days against one team, you quarantine for two, everyone gets tested and then you move on to the next place and play for five games. I mean, uh, why not? I, I, I'm into that. But I also would like to say one last plea for the bubble. I know that it's harder than other sports. I know that there's a bigger rosters. Um, I know that it's it's a, a bigger deal. But like, travel is is a bigger the biggest portion of this. I think and Arizona is a viable thing for me. And I think you could have games at 10 a.m. and not eight or nine p.m. And those would generally line up with sort of 12 o'clock East Coast starts. Uh, especially they don't do they don't do uh, summer they don't do like daylight savings so it would be like uh, basically twelve o'clock east coast starts and seven o'clock west coast starts so basically you could still kind of hit your normal TV schedules um, and you could stay out of the one hundred and twenty degree weather weather I think for the most part uh, if you did that I mean it would, at the end of the game it would be kind of hot but the hottest part of the, the day is always like sort of two to five so. I, why not do that? Arizona's pretty good. I mean, yeah, you have to set up some trackmans or some Hawkeyes. You might have to put up some lighting stanchions or whatever it is they're doing in Buffalo. But, like, you know, baseball has money. And this, you know, if you do the bubble, I think it would work out better than, than any travel-based idea. Yeah. That's my, my plea for the bubble. The, I, I agree with the bubble. My I my problem is how do you get the players to agree to the bubble? Like to not see their families for that long, right? Like this year alone, you would have had Harper, Trout, all these guys that are having kids. But can't um, you bring the families into the bubble? And I, I, I think maybe I mean, you create four bubbles, geographic bubbles, and then you can let more of the families in so that you can right. house those bubbles. And then that's it. You're only playing those teams in the bubbles until right. the playoffs. Or something. That'd be kind of fun too, because then you wouldn't have they wouldn't have seen each other all. We kind of go back to the old American League and the National League. We're like, whoa, you know, these two teams haven't played each other. They don't know anything about each other. That's kind of fun, right? Because I just think logistically, like having them all in one bubble. There's so many of them, right? It's just not the NBA. They've got what like ten times the amount of people. Yeah. When you factor in the expanded rosters and all the people that take to make baseball operate, so many more coaches. Yeah. yeah. So maybe you have multiple bubbles, and you say families are are cool for regular season postseason like x everyone players only everyone is safe you go to one bubble and that's it and it's only like three to four weeks or five weeks so then yeah right, you can do right. it um, dude dude 
the Marlins are getting on a bus. Yes. <laughs> Seventeen hour bus. All the COVID guys. Who's driving that bus? Are they getting hazard pay? Oh, oh my god, the Corona bus, dude. Oh my god. I had a guy today that was like a player that was like, I would quit if they wanted me to. <laughs> I don't care if I had COVID or not. If they wanted to, you bus. want me to do what? A seventeen-hour oh bus ride with everybody who has COVID. And imagine like somebody coughs. Imagine somebody coughs on that bus. Everyone's like, motherfucker. <laughs> Taking that bus next. Like imagine. Yeah. Oh the next yeah. <laughs> they just take the whole bus and like dunk it in bleach. Just like, <laughs> like just burn it. it up with a crane burn and it. just like just burn it. Don't even. <laughs> you're not sterilizing that. Just just burn it. Right. What is the hotel they've been housed at, though? Like, it's, there's a reason you haven't heard what hotel it is, because you know that hotel's got other guests. Oh, my God. Well, if oh you, you put that hotel like on Priceline, it's going to be like 10 bucks. That's how you're going to know. You're going to get a four-star hotel for 10 bucks. I saw Sandy Alcantara. Oh, my God. I'm checking out. I saw Sandy Alcantara. I'm out of here. <laughs> it's so bad. And you're right. It's like, if you don't laugh, you'd cry, because this is such a cluster. And it's so, like, it's so 2020 in every way. Like, it speaks to how we've handled it. It's a national tragedy, like just how poor our response has been. Like this was so inevitable from the start. I keep thinking about this bubble four bubble thing you guys just talked about. I mean, you probably have to just focus on major league facilities that have retractable roofs. So you'd have places like the new ballpark in Arlington, Miller Park in Milwaukee, uh, T-Mobile Field, I think it's called now, in Seattle. Maybe that's a contender. You kind of pick your spots, but then you'd have a lot of teams concentrated in one city. I think it's doable, but you have to kind of remake some of the areas in those ballparks to have enough facilities for players unless you take some existing space near the ballpark and turn that into almost like a remote clubhouse for everybody. Mm. Like the, the actual facilities are just not meant to house seven or eight teams at a time. Yeah, I would just say like turn the whole concourse into like... You know, have like three or four uh, clubhouses built, you know, just, the, you know, they and you'd rather be open air. You don't want to be in. So, like, mm-hmm. just make, just put lockers up in the club, in the, in the, in the court concourse. And it's a little bit more, you know, a little bit less like just recycling everybody's air in your face. So, yeah, I think it would be doable. I think you could do it. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm stuck. The one song that's stuck in my head today. <laughs> I'm feeling maybe a little rebellious after all this uh, negativity. Is um, my kid is really into Imagine Dragons? Uh, <laughs> oh, whip, whip, run me like a racehorse, pull me like a ripcord, whatever it takes. <laughs> oh no! That's like Rob Manfred's wake up song in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm probably <laughs> echoing that Cardinals. What's that? What did that Cardinals prominent Cardinals player say? Totally. I mean, it just seems to me like, guys, there's this wide range of emotions with players, right? Because every time we talk to Max Scherzer, who's a big union guy, he had a big part in getting the season done. Um, he refuses to complain, refuses to address any of the issues that are going on with it, which is, is kind of unusual to some extent because he's a guy who's usually very upfront, very mind. honest. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I just think that it just kind of shows... Whereas you have Sean Doolittle who kind of called out the testing early and you just have a, a wide range of players. And just hearing that today where some Cardinals want to go and they're like, let's do it. And some of them are like, Hey man, like I got a family, like slow the brakes, right. you know, like I can't afford to get sick. Um, so I think in baseball, it seems like because there are so many guys, different backgrounds, it just seems like it's, they have a, so many more logistical obstacles than the NBA. And like you talked about Derek, like next spring, I think if I'm MLB, I'm consulting with, soccer 
and the NBA and the NFL. And I'm looking and I'm like creating some kind of committee and seeing like what works and what doesn't work and really closely watching these other sports and seeing what you can take and what you can't. So by next spring, if we are in this situation, which we very well might be, there's at least some like subcommittee that's dedicated for the last, you know, six, eight months to practices. Yeah. To like figuring this out and having some epidemiologists, you know, maybe, maybe Eno who is, who is moonlighting on the side can be on this committee, you know, Uh, but you know, I just think that there has to be a a way for right now while we're in it (laughs) to think about the future. (laughs) But, you know, I mean, Eno, Eno also has a great voice here. I mean, he's a man of many talents. Dr. Saris. <laughs> Call it paging Dr. Saris. With the, the beard uh, t-shirt. People can't see that. Sporting the beard t-shirt, yeah. I think. Oh, yep. yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, Mark Saxon, he covers the Cardinals for The Athletic. Uh, he had a tweet about an hour ago. A prominent Cardinals player informs me he wants to play tomorrow. Quote, can't let this all crumble. And it's never been about toughness and wanting to do things. It's always been about just doing what the medical community tells us to do. Listen to the smart people. Just listen to them and it will get better. If we can just be diligent about that, things won't crumble. It's not, I'm tough, I can go hit a home run tomorrow and we're going to win. No, that's not it. Also, who is that prominent Cardinals player? There's only like three guys it could be. It's like a terrible game of guess who. Like, you know, who who do you think that prominent Cardinals player is? I, I don't think Yachty says crumble. (laughs) <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he says crumble. I, I think crumble is a is a crumble is a is a you know crumble is like a dessert. You know, like, well, I love crumbles. T- Tyler O'Neill is a power lifter. I think so, that's Matt Carpenter. But yeah, he's not a prominent player. I think <laughs> Carpenter Carpenter would, at two to one would be my favorite if I had to set odds on who that prominent Cardinals player is. Who put that out there? <laughs> what, what do you think, Britt? Yeah, and Goldschmidt's so very vanilla that I don't see him, one, using the word crumbles, and two, maybe not texting Mark back. I don't know. I mean, he just... Right, right. (laughs) Goldschmidt is eating a giant bowl of cornflakes. He's not checking texts right now. Yeah, but, like, back to your point, Derek, the issue is, is, like, guys are so conditioned to play through anything, right? Their hamstring hurts, their foot hurts, their this and that. They're so conditioned that they need an adult in the room. This is where there needs to be an adult, and this is where the Marlins went wrong with the group text of the players deciding they should play, is like, this is not an injury. This is not, you know, this is a pandemic and a virus. You really need adults to say, like, that's cool, but shut up and go in the corner. Like, this has nothing to do with you. You will do what we tell you. (laughs) Like, like the players shouldn't be deciding what goes on here. You know, and I think that's the issue is, guys, like you said, are like, oh, I'm so tough, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to play through this. COVID can't get me. Well, like, this is this, this is just silly to even be debated. This is not a case of being tough or being not tough by not not, not wanting to play at all. But I mean, it's just so look great. at Eduardo Rodriguez, man. Like, just be like, hey, you know, yes, you probably won't die, but you might get this heart thing, dude. And, like, your heart is pretty important. You know, there's some, you know, there's some... Dr. Saris weighs in on the importance of the heart. No, the heart heart is very important. Uh, But also there's, like, uh, evidence that, like, lung capacity changes afterwards. So, like, you know... Oh, man. Yes, lungs lungs also important. Also, you can't catch... A, a sprained ankle from somebody, you know? You cannot. Um, I'm going to add the brain to your list of important organs, by the way. I think you should point out that the brain is also important. Those are probably your, your top three. Your heart, your brain, and your lungs. Not my kid necessarily is, my five-year-old has gotten very 
interested in death and and uh, us being mortals. And his recently this morning or yesterday morning said, "You know, Dad, if your brain falls out, you die." So <laughs> you got to get him off the Imagine Dragons. Those lyrics are <laughs> terrible. <laughs> That's on you. Dr. Saris's books a little too much. Over yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I, yeah, I think that yeah, I think it's a great point that you need to kind of uh, pull players back from the field sometimes. Like they, they are definitely conditioned to kind of uh, grind it out. I mean, that's that's like our you know the favorite uh, baseball player's favorite word is the your favorite descriptor is I'm a grinder. You know. And look, all three of us would really like there to be baseball. It is good to, you know, keep all of us employed. We like talking about baseball and writing about baseball, even though Britt answered that question kind of like a GM and Eno dodged the question completely. He didn't even address it head on. So we've done over 100 episodes of this show. I don't know if Eno even likes baseball. Never even verified it. We, we let Britt join the show on Fridays, and, and we don't know if she likes baseball either. But it kind of sounds like she does. I'm going to give you know the benefit of the doubt, too. I think you guys... yeah. Okay. Oh, there it is. Okay. Oh, I wonder if sports miss me, too. <laughs> yeah. Someday this might be a video show, cool and, and then our, our shirts will matter. I've got a, a shirt on for the draft a minute. It's got a big plate on it. It's, oh, uh, yeah. It says flex. Uh, it's not because mm. Britt lifts. I, I do not. It's, uh, it's for a league that I'm in. The Britt, do you flexible. think you could out? Do you think you could? Uh, what? What's you were you? You're big in deadlift, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, deadlift squat. Uh, do you think you could outlift some players? Uh, if they were around my size, size matters. Like relatively yeah, like speaking, yeah. you know, like I can squat more than twice my body weight. How much? Like, so if a player weighs two hundred pounds and he can only squat three fifty, then by what they call Wilkes in powerlifting, I'm actually stronger. So, nice, you know, nice. So then the answer is yes. <laughs> yeah, Gerard Dyson, yeah. like he's small frame Wilkes guy. Says like, yes. yeah. Wilkes says yes. Wilkes says yes. We should. I'm we should do that. We should have. You should. You should go up against Gerard Dyson in a powerlifting contest. It'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> like sneaky. Like some of them are like sneaky strong though. Yeah. So, I don't they're know, like whippy. Yeah, he yeah. might be way more solid than we realize. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to tell. Well, actually, you know, I was thinking about this with like body types and stuff. Like Anderson Simmons has like a, uh, he looks like a cowboy because he's got the kind of, he's got a little bit of that, you know, that bend. Was that like, like not bow legged? He's a little bit bow legged. Yeah. But he also reminds me of Jacob deGrom in terms of body size. I was like, you know, he could have been a really good pitcher. I mean, he was drafted at 97 or so. Um, and someone described Jacob deGrom as whippy. And I was like, I think that might be. The, the two body types that I like the best in baseball are whippy and then uh, what I would call like fire plug. So like uh, Harrison Bader is like fire plug. It's, like, it's not very big, but it's just like, you know, Tyler O'Neillish is like, you know, just like a ton of power in like a little package. And then whippy is like uh, long levers and like Jacob deGrom and Anderson Simmons, somebody who can like just sort of use the the leverage of their limbs to kind of create velocity and and, and do things like that. But uh, that's a there's another Doctor Nick type musing for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like to follow on that uh, manager Buck Walter was always like, "Hey, I need you guys to look at these guys' ass," and we'd be like, "What?" And he's like, <laughs> he's like, it was like an old adage of like old scouting, you know, in the Yankees that like if a guy didn't have a good ass, then he wasn't going to be a good pitcher. Like he wasn't oh, able to get power from his legs for so, pitcher. Like, yeah, so like. You know, look, check out. I mean, it's a lot less creepy, probably for me. I don't even know. Is it more creepy for me or for you guys? I'm not sure. But no, check out pictures, 
butts, then you can kind of see who's going to make it as like prospect wise. So that was scouting always a big is, thing. Scouting is creepy, dude. Scouting, I mean, scouting, scouting, yeah. There's, there's some, there's some work to be done to clean up scouting. A lot yeah, of work. But also, like, you're like a lot of times you're like scouting a 12 year old or a 13 year old in the Dominican. Like, yeah. whoa, w- yeah. like get a hold on yourself here. And then, the, but I, I have talked about Austin like Meadows. Be 19. <laughs> <laughs> right, 19. Uh, I, I've, uh, I've, uh, I've, I've talked about Austin Meadows' ass for years and years because. You know, there was like there was a question about whether or not he would have any power, and I was like, "Look at that ass! He has power." So uh, I think there's there's something to this ass scouting. I like it. <laughs> Derek, can this please be the one snippet you take out of this hour? Is you know saying like, "Look at that ass." <laughs> <laughs> I'll just cut that and put it right into the beginning, and people are going to know at the very beginning of the show as the music starts. This episode yeah. was a lot of fun. So went off the rails. <laughs> And I stayed for Eno and uh, and I know this is how scouts look at players, so I I don't think that was like an isolated incident with Buck telling you guys to look at players that way. I I think looking at body type is absolutely scout something scouts have done for a long time, and that's one of those signs. Power comes from the legs, right? Like that's just that's simple. Like that's an easy way to identify. I think also ass like gives you a little sense of like how much more the legs could fill out because it kind of gives you a sense of like. Like this type of leg would fit in that ass, you know. <laughs> like like he has a slightly larger ass than his legs suggest, so he yes. can probably put some weight on those legs. <laughs> well, it's similar to like when Manny Machado, when they first drafted him, he was so like real thin, but you could see the frame, right? Yeah, and that's what scouts look at too, right? Is they can fill out their frame. Isn't that like a big thing? Like yeah, you can yeah. 20, 30 pounds and like fill out. Whereas like some of these other guys like have kind of maxed out, right? You're like, I don't know if they can add more velocity power whatever it may be like austin riley is not going to get any bigger no right. you know or if he does not, not in a good not way good news yeah, yeah. Exactly. but the, yeah. the projectable frame is very real if you have these like disproportions that could become more proportional over time then you have something really good there well dr saris has an anatomy lecture here that he has to get to in a few minutes so uh, we should wrap it up but if you're enjoying this show on a platform that allows you to rate and review this podcast um please give us a rating and review. We greatly appreciate that. If you don't have a subscription to The Athletic, you can get 40% off at theathletic.com slash rates and barrels. Get Brit's articles, get Eno's articles, all the baseball coverage, league-wide, team-by-team, fantasy stuff too. I'm going to write an ads and drops column on Saturday. It's going to be full because a bunch of guys are hurt, a bunch of guys are sick, and the schedule's a mess. So lots of fun stuff there. As always, you can reach us via email, ratesandbarrels at theathletic.com if you want to reach us. And uh, be sure to use the word and like spelled out if you send an email. You can't use the and sign. That doesn't work. On Twitter, she's at Brit underscore Droli. He's at Enoceris. I'm at Derek Van Riper. That is going to wrap things up for this episode of Rates and Barrels. We are back with you on Tuesday. Thanks for listening. 